0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 7 of the PacCast. In today's episode, we sit down and chat with Scott Barrero, aka Scotty B. This was a super fun episode to record, and I have no doubt that we could have talked for many more hours. We range from topics like gaming, skipping class, traveling the world, and how nothing will ever beat mom's home cooking. We also talk about life outside of Web3 and the journey Scotty took to find his career passion in photography. Like many people, it wasn't a clear path to get to where he is today, and Scotty shares a lot of great insights that will resonate with many listeners. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to let Scotty know he can be found running around the metaverse, building community and partnerships for Cozy Penguin's NFT. He's also part of the Pack family. This is an episode you don't want to miss. Sit back and enjoy as we continue to build the bridge between Web 2 and Web 3 by learning more about the people behind the pixels. I hope you enjoy the episode. Now let's jump right into it. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Uh, In today's episode, we're super excited to have Scotty B join us. Scotty B is one of the founders of Cozy Penguins. And, you know, if, if you don't know him too well yet, uh, I would very much urge you all to follow him on socials. He's got a bang Instagram account as well with a lot of really amazing photos. So thanks for joining us, Scotty.
1: Good morning. Good morning. First off, just want to clarify, I, I am not a founder. Uh, oh, you're not? <laughs> no, oh, I, you're not. I have been working with the team since January. So I've been with the, the team uh, for about a month before launch, but very it, much not a founder. I've, I've crawled my way up uh starting at mod um and now sort of handle a lot of things <laughs> i wear many hats but i do mainly like community initiatives uh partner outreach partnerships and outreach and stuff uh, but a lot of things like as you can um i'm sure you're aware like when you work with a project you kind of just kind of adapt to certain roles
0: all right. Well, see, jokes on me. You you've been so ingrained in the in the team that I just kind of auto <laughs> assumed you were one of the founders. But regardless, <laughs> an integral part of Cozy Penguin. So uh, my apologies on that front. But you know, That's it's awesome. kind of a uh, you know, in this space, everything moves so fast and everything's so like it's hard to keep track of. So sometimes it's just kind of you don't really know exactly I mean, until you te- get to talk to somebody
1: yeah i mean one of the the things though with like cozy penguins is i'm definitely probably i mean now b and i are probably in competition for who the loudest cozy penguin is that's for sure <laughs> but you know from the very beginning zugi uh you know he's like the the lead um you know because we have i think we have technically like four or five founders tim's a founder so as an artist he's a founder um we have a few of the devs that are founders um and then zugi and Zugi as the lead, he you know he likes to handle like the brains, the techie side of the stuff, and he, he's okay handling me like being sort of the the face, the la- the louder person of Gozi. So that's why I, I'm not like shocked you got the, that impression, but uh, no, it's definitely his his baby and their their idea before I jumped in.
0: Well, I will say from the perspective of um, the Deer Pack team, we're we're super impressed with. What, what you all do over there, because, you know, you look at the space, there's a lot of people that talk a lot, but don't really deliver. And what we've seen continuously from the cozy verse is that you all deliver and quickly too. you know, I think when we, when we minted out within like less than 24 hours, we were already into the cozy verse. So, you know, super, super cool. You guys, you guys, you guys get stuff done. So yeah. it's, it doesn't fall
1: on. It doesn't go unnoticed. I think, like, big, Zugi's biggest thing, and, like, that, I, I'm going to always go back to, like, the things that he's taught me because he's really, like, an, an incredible leader. Like, I don't know if I would still sort of be in this space in the capacity that I am if, if it wasn't for him um, and his sort of leadership. But um, from the very beginning, he's wanted to sort of be, like, the, you know, silent builders. He doesn't want to, you know, be yelling and screaming down, you know, the walls, like, shilling cozy penguins. Although, like, you know, Bill, B and I are doing kind of you know, funny shilling and memes and stuff on our personal accounts, he wanted to make sure that the brand was recognized as, like, we're the silent builders, we're just keeping our heads down, building stuff, you know, through this bear market, Um, because even though we launched as sort of, like, the precursor to the free meta, um, we still entered, like, the very next, it was considered, you know, bear market conditions, you know, we just went to war with Ukraine and stuff. So I think that's, like, the biggest part of it is that, We've been building from the start and we're going to keep building, like slowly releasing things, um, you know, fishing and land coming up. But it's more like we want to prove what we, you know, we we belong in this space by our, our product and what we deliver than just, you know, being another uh, sort of loud NFT project. Yeah, we
0: we we noticed that and we can tell and I think there's a lot of similar um, ethos that the deer pack has, you know, when we when we came on the scene. Uh, the team pretty much started from the beginning and said, uh, "No inorganic growth, no paid shills, no no paid influencers. We'll we'll grow our community um, the old-fashioned way." So, uh, and now when I look at the the Discord community compared to others, it's way more engaging, way more active, way more authentic than some groups that have like ten thousand to twenty thousand people in their Discord. So, uh, I, I totally. Uh, I'm 100% behind your approach to what y'all have built over there, kind of like silently just building uh, value, building, you know, utility. As much as I hate to say the word utility, because I mean, like, what the hell does that actually mean? But uh, y'all are out there doing some really cool stuff. So I want to talk more about that as well. But um, part of the DNA of this podcast is to start with a couple things. Um, our tagline is like, we want to get to know the people behind the pixels. And so the fastest way that we do that is by asking two core questions to anyone that comes into our discord, which is, (laughs) um, are you a cat's person, a dog person or an other?
1: Oh man. Okay. This is kind of a complicated question because if you would have asked me like probably like five years ago, I would have said 100% a dog person. Uh, I actually have a dog right now, but. As I'm getting older, I don't know what it is, cats seem more like chill and like less like needy. Like they're just there, they're existing, they got their own vibe. Like I love my dog. Don't get me wrong, I love my dog Kiki, she's a little sweetheart. She's a chihuahua frenchie mix. Oh man, so cute. But I think that cats are like a very interesting creature. I like I didn't at first I didn't give them like any time of day. I was like, nah, cats are annoying, they're mean. And I think that was probably just like my interaction with cats that you know that I had it in like my earlier years where they, like they were mean, they would claw you. Of course you touch the belly, bam, claws, you know? Um, but I've met some really cool dogs. My My best friend actually has had three cats now that are like, literally they're always my favorite cats on the planet. I don't know what it is. He's like an incredible cat father or something, him and his wife. And they have amazing cats and they sort of flip my perspective. Oh yeah. And another thing is I'm semi-allergic to cats. So if they're really nice cats, Like and I take like allergy medicine because I want to meet your cat. That's a thing. (laughs) Like that, I would have to do that to go to my best friend's house because they were so nice. I was like, okay, I'm not gonna like not enjoy this experience of going over here. So I'm gonna take cat, you know, some allergy medicine, be friends with the cats. Um, So now I'm about a I'm about a mix, but I definitely was a dog dog person for most of my life.
0: You know, it's a, it's a crappy question that I ask people because I force you to pick, <laughs> uh, you know, in society, in society today, you know, extremism is, is what sells. So yeah. I can't ask like, if you're an animal lover, that's too boring. So you uh, know,
1: I, I yeah. force
0: you to make a decision, Although, um, but I'm a similar, I'm similar. I like both, but I'm also allergic to cats, but oh, somehow, there you go. somehow cats know when someone's allergic, I feel like you're a magnet
1: for them. I know, right? <laughs> then they jump on your lap. They're coming because I think cats actually like they like me. Cat people or cats are Scott people. Uh, Scott is yeah. not so much. I'm I'm a learning cat person. Yeah, I,
0: I, I, but I agree, right? Like you are into one bad cat, and the rest of them get put in the same bucket. It's yeah, so for real. But, yeah, but I can get behind giving you the the. The accolades are saying you're an animal lover, uh, not not one or the other. That's that's fine. Yeah, we, can, yeah, yeah. we can go with that. <laughs> the other question, uh, generally less controversial, but if you had to pick one go-to meal uh, with a magic wave
1: of a wand, what would it be? Oh man. Okay. So I've actually talked about this recently. I'm I'm prepared for this this question. Okay. So if I have to, like, everyone's be like, "Oh, of course, you say your mom's cooking," but. If I had one meal, it'd be my mom's cooking. Um, and it would probably either be, because my mom's like an amazing chef. So this is, this I, I would have like on my deathbed or like if I had one choice, this would still be a difficult decision. So she has, she has three things that I absolutely love. One is a, st- a steak called, or um, a dish called steak a pois. It's like a, um, a French way of like cooking a steak, I think. Uh, you coat it like with peppercorns, it's got like a white sauce on it, it's crazy. Another one is her meatloaf. I know meatloaf. People are going to be like, what meatloaf? Like, that's so weird. And I don't like meatloaf anywhere else in the world except for my mom. There's something she does with it. And she can make a sandwich out of it, slap it on some Texas toast, put some cheddar on it, uh, some uh, fried shallots. Oh, my God. Okay. And then the other thing is her adobo, um, which comes down from, you know, that's a recipe passed down through my family. Um, And so that's like that one just hits home. That's like one of my favorite for sure. So it's got to be one of those three for my mom's cooking. But if I had to like choose a singular food, potatoes, like potatoes anyway, French fried, bashed, scallop potatoes, hash browns. That's, that's my favorite food. Hands down. (laughs) Well, It's,
0: well, I always love it when people bring out like three or four options. Like, <laughs> why, I mean, if, it's your, if it's your go-to last meal or whatever, then yeah, oh. it should be everything under the sun. Well, uh,
1: I, my biggest <laughs> thing is like I think people uh, – I don't know if people like underappreciate food or something, but I think food is the greatest thing on the planet. Honestly, like food is like – when I'm eating, it's probably the happiest I, like I ever am because I just enjoy food so much.
0: I feel like when you are artistic – and you like expression and you like to f- uh, f- food is a way to feel things right yeah like your photography is a way to feel things music's a way to feel things I feel like if you like food you also like photography you also like music you also like art I, it just all kind of goes together yeah my, I think my girl yeah my girlfriend always laughs at me when I take pictures of food I'm like you know we made it or someone else made it it's uh, art on a plate yeah you should enjoy it with your eyes before you enjoy it with your mouth
1: 100% chefs are artists and I think like food appreciation, it, it comes from something, you know, along those lines of what you said, where we just get the art, the nuance to it. Like the, you know, when you can craft a meal and you mix the ingredients, it's like chemistry and it comes out in this like flavorful concoction, man. I mean, they, you know, music can make you dance, but food can make you dance too. <laughs> I do my little happy dance when I have something that's like really good.
0: <laughs> do you, uh, did you, did you watch Breaking Bad when it was in its, in its peak? Oh yeah,
1: definitely like top three show for me.
0: I like to think that professional chefs are Walter White, and I'm more like a Jesse Pinkman. I'm like a, I'm like a, I don't know the chemistry. I just you know yeah, throw some throw shit it together. together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I know the foundational basics of it, but yeah, it's never going to look as beautiful as like an art exactly like top tier chef. But it still gets the job done.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and that's like when it comes to, like my mom's cooking. She is Walter White of cooking. Like she's cr- she's literally. We'll go to a restaurant. She'll come back cook it but it'll be better somehow than what we had at the restaurant like she can nail down every taste that she had in that like dish go back and replicate it like it's wild Where where's your family originally from uh well my so my parents are met in the bay area like in california uh, okay. like san francisco bay area but i mean my my family roots my dad is puerto rican filipino goes back to uh my great-grandparents meeting on hawaii before that they were Puerto Rico and the Philippines. Then my mom came from uh traveled all through the United States, eventually ended up in California, but originally came from Canada. She was born in Toronto. Um, family's a bunch of European descendants that somehow ended up in Canada. So it's kind of a weird, weird meeting point for for me to come to an ex uh come into an ex- existence.
0: Well, I only asked because you mentioned those three foods and they're all like three different. Oh, they're so parts different. The world, right? Yeah. And I was like, like is her, is his mom like from like a world traveler, French and then Adobo and then like old school meatloaf? Like yeah. what, what's going
1: on here? Yeah, no, like I, I, my family background is just completely mixed. I'm like the melting pot of America. I'm like everything packed into one, so I think that's just uh, like I'm, I'm pretty
0: boring. I'm, I'm 100% Korean American. So. Hey, <laughs> Korean food is so
1: good though. Oh my God. I actually just learned how to make Korean spinach salad. It's so basic, so basic, but I didn't realize how Oh, it was easy sesame oil, yeah. a little bit of sesame oil, garlic, hey, spinach, sauteed. Like, there you go. Yeah. The, well, the, one of the biggest things for me is like I would always let spinach go bad because like when I'd eat a salad, you know, use, use a little bit, but you just take the whole bag, blanch it real quick, and then do all the fixings and stuff. Oh my God and it'll keep for a week
0: oh yeah it's if you incredible. put it in, if you put it in like really good tupperware yeah it can go probably even close probably to longer. two weeks if yeah, you need yeah. to yeah 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 so there's a lot of things like that which is great about like the asian foods in general there's a lot of like small pickled things and yeah
1: is it called like, um Bancham? or something like yeah, that banchan, Yeah, banchan, panchan yeah panchan like
0: b-o-n-c-h-o-n there we uh, like go. that Learning chain Chinese or like Chinese. that chain chicken chicken uh restaurant that's oh announced. yeah uh-huh I've had yeah, that.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> well cool man well I love it I love it and this and that's part of the reason why we do this right you know you sit on crypto twitter and sit in nft discords you you really don't really get to know people that well uh and so when uh when you kind of came into the Deer Pack world uh saw you kind of engaging with us and whatnot uh Giselle was like you should you should see if Scotty would do it I was like okay yeah. oh yeah I love it I love it <laughs> I mean if and, you uh, want
1: I'll blab all day <laughs> yeah I love it man
0: that's what we need more of I feel like I feel like this NFT space has a lot of phenomenal people in it that are low key just like um incognito mode a little bit you know yeah. the funniest thing was like I was looking at your Instagram you you're in like you know, six digits for followers. And then on Twitter, you're at like four, like, you know, 4,000, 5,000 people. It's like the, the, the difference in followers based on platform
1: is just striking. <laughs> to me. Crypto you know? me is uh, very different than photographer me. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. that's one thing actually that I really liked about this space that, you know, everyone's like, why, why aren't you doing photography right now? And this space allowed me to sort of experience a different side of me that I, I didn't realize or maybe. It's not that I didn't realize, it's that I never gave it a chance to shine or grow. Um, I was so, you know, tied to Scott, the photographer, that was always my identity. And I think it's, after you build something like that for so many years, like say you do one profession for, you know, 10 years, which is what it, you know, 10 plus years, which is what I had done with photography, it becomes ingrained in party. Like you're not something without that. And so like when the pandemic hit and there weren't a lot of photography jobs, it was like a part of me was lost. So I was like, damn, what do I do? <laughs> you know, And here comes, lot, here comes NFTs. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Maybe I can sell my photography. But instead of selling my photography, I found a whole different like, set of assets or like sort of skills that I, that I could tap into and sort of make this a part of my life too.
0: You know, I think something that I've realized is a, a big part of art is community. And when an artist truly makes it they've got their followers and their diehard um group of people that they that kind of ride or die with them. And what I think this NFT world has offered a lot of people is community first and then figuring out what they want to do with that community second, uh, after they've already built it out. So, you know, like Cozyverse, Deer Pack, all these other projects that people kind of jump into and become a part of, it's something that I think is just a human uh human nature is to want to be accepted and, and belong somewhere. So I think it's very under-discussed, but one of the most important aspects of why people continue to come back to essentially a chat room, right? There's nothing else going on for the most part. Yeah, it's all just typed out with a little JPEG image as the as the floating head. So yeah. it's it's very powerful.
1: I mean, as as like solo as we may be in our everyday lives, um, humans are just you know we're drawn to community and being a part of something. Uh, and I think that these these little communities are a nice little like getaway um, from, I guess, everyday real life where, you know, like I don't, I don't go outside and speak about Ethereum or Bitcoin or NFTs or anything, blockchain technology with anyone in, in my real life. Like maybe the coffee person, like I go to a coffee shop, will exchange because I'm, I'm friends with them, but it's very rarely that that happens. So it's nice to like, sort of come out, come out here, you know, to these discords and nerd out with people about stuff that is, you know, at its heart, very geeky. Um, and and that's sort of how, like, I've been into you know video games, comics, you know, uh, nerdy movies, like anything. Like, I, I went to school. I was actually a biochemist before I did photography. Oh really? I'm a, bio,
0: I'm a bio major as well. Coming out
1: undergrad. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Yeah. So like, I, I am a true nerd at heart, and so like, all this stuff is so much fun, and it, it's it's really cool to see it go more mainstream like of course we want mainstream adoption but i think i really enjoy the fact that it's such a small community right now that it feels like early i don't know like um when i was like first starting playing world, world of warcraft right we would film form guilds and things like that and i never in my like wildest imagination think i would like become friends with like a group of people online but i made really good friends with my guild mates like i would travel if i had to travel to like a certain uh city I could bring my setup down there and play from their house because we had like raids and stuff. Right. And so that was like the metaverse before the metaverse existed. We would yeah. just kind of have meetups and that, that community was built. So jumping into these communities was sort of like a, a walk in the park. It was like, Oh, I've been here before. I know these people. So I, I think that it's a very easy transition, but like, it's also, I think it's weird to see the world come around to like something that I've been doing for the past, like Half my life almost, you know, jumping on TeamSpeak and Ventrilo, mm-hmm. which is where all where Discord came from. Uh, you know, it started, mm-hmm. I don't know if Ventrilo was the first, but it was definitely probably the first like uh, widely adopted uh, voiceover. IP I think it system. was the first.
0: I think it was the first one, yeah. as far as I know. That's the first one we paid for when we had forty-person raids and whatnot. And, yeah, and
1: wow. Yeah, um, and like Vitrillo and then TeamSpeak. There's probably something else in between, and then it all just got integrated.
0: I think people use Skype and yeah, Skype, all sorts of different Skype, things.
1: Yeah, yep. 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 and then yep. Discord. And Discord was never built like or never meant for NFTs, which is kind of crazy. Like it's it's the bat like it's building like foundation is on, is in gaming, and so. Man, sorry, I'm rambling. <laughs> no, no, this is, what it, this is what it's about, man. Okay. I just think that like with Discord, it's crazy to see how we build these communities on Discord. Um, I think that there's something better out there. There's got to be a better product, a better fit. But for now, we exist in Discord. Um, I, I, I think the, the, the biggest thing I see is less Discord channels, more communities sharing a Discord channel. Like mm-hmm. we have all these separate things, but we cross over, we jump into other people's Discord and say hi. Like, I think it would be kind of crazy, and maybe this would would happen sometime in the like you know down the line. But you know, we're calling everybody like sort of the cute collective, right? Um, this is an umbrella term for like us, you know, cool cats, um, pudgies, uh, axos, um, uh, froyo, like all the teams that we partnered with in NFT NYC. Which is kind of funny because like we, we coined the term cute collective and now it's just sort of running on the space like the other night there was a pudgy space and they're like we're part of the cute collective I was like oh cool all right I guess we've got a new recruit in the the, the Q collective so like if like all of us imagine like a server or not even a server but like a different type of uh community like platform other than Discord existing you know somewhere else I think that's that's a cool future where we can like sort of combine communities. We don't have to be so like my NFT is better than your NFT, but it can be more of like a a broader appreciation of at least cute NFTs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I think honestly, like as, as, as funny as it sounds, I think you're describing like the actual next, the metaverse, right? Which is like, uh, it's a world within a world. Cause you know, I call the cute investment thesis. Basically I only buy, I only buy NFTs that I think, I'd be happy to pass them along to like my niece and nephew when they're older, so they can have it as an investment for yeah. when they're, you know, you know. Let's say some of these brands like Cozy and Deer Pack actually become household brands in the Web two world. Well, then that there's value there, right? It's like holding an OG Jordan card from from my childhood, or like a Kobe rookie card, right? It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's it's things that if the product or the brand continues to maintain relevancy and, and grow in stature, then those original things are worth so much more. So, whether it's the 10K Cozy, is it, are you guys 10K? Yeah. Uh, yeah, whether
1: it's the 10K wait. Cozy Collective, or is it, <laughs> that's are actually, you
0: guys 888? That's a good are you question. guys 8,000?
1: We're not 8,000. I know we're not 8,800, but we might be. No, we're 10,000. We got to be 10,000. Yeah, that's what I'm I thought. Gonna call
0: it. So – whether it's whether it's like a collection like that or like a collection like the the you know board apes whatever it is right yeah. the, right now people are not placing bets but joining communities with the hope that these communities stick around forever the reality is like 98% of them will die off but to your point and what i think like you were unsolicitedly said is find the find the groups that have been building during the the bear market right? Because mm-hmm. inherently, when the next bull market comes, there's going to be grifters and shillers that try to capitalize. And you know what, if you buy one of those projects, then it's on you if you get hosed, right? Yeah. You, you had a chance to find um, brands and projects and teams that continued to build when the market wasn't there. Those are the ones you should be piling money into or or your time and energy into, right? So mm-hmm. I think just like in the in the token world, right? you see all these sell-offs, we'll find the groups that are still building in spite of the price of their token, right? Find those protocols and invest in them uh, because those are the ones that are going to come back stronger in the next bull run. So, you know, I, I, look at, I look at what you guys are doing. Lebowski and I have talked about it before in our in our private chat, like how we're, we're super impressed with just the amount of things you guys have done in such a short amount of time, relatively speaking. And so, you know, we're always... We're, we're ecstatic that the, the two universes kind of have a lot of overlap in terms of followers and, and yeah. uh, NFT holders. Uh, but to your point, like I would love to see a world where you know Cute Collective or Cute Investment Thesis becomes its own Discord channel. And then the general chat is like all the different groups together. And then every group has their own little private community. So Damn, it, imagine. It, it'd That'd be, be so be much nicer cool. if like, I only had one tab to wor- worry about, like one icon in the top left corner of my Discord as opposed to like, 30 discords
1: you know (laughs) i mean so the way that you could like sort of think about it um and i use this analogy actually for twitter and discord but i guess it could apply to a like a bigger discord um but like the main channel could be like the cafeteria like thinking in like terms of a school the main channel yeah yeah, (laughs) uh, high school the main channel is the cafeteria and then you have your separate classrooms where you go into your individual channels right and i i use that that analogy to describe like twitter and discord where Twitter is the cafeteria, and Discord at the little classrooms.
0: You think about like um, you think of like a mutual fund, right? You, since you don't know exactly which stock to invest in, you you have like a portfolio of ten different companies that fit a thesis of yours. Like, I've already done that essentially with my cute NFTs. I'm in I'm in chubby Fr- I'm in chubby friends. I'm in Cupcat. I'm in Cozy. I'm in obviously Deer Pack, and probably seven other projects of varying sizes and popularity and they all share a similar um dna which is i like the team i think the art is cute and i think that the teams are trying to not just be a cash grab because the nice thing about it is, i still see progress and activity in those discords as opposed to like 99 percent of other projects where you know they're they're dead on arrival essentially so you know i think um I would love to see a world like that because you know, I talk to people in the deer pack and I, and in the deer pack, community, there's people from pudgies, there's people from seals, there's people from all those other projects, but I rarely go to those other project discords. Cause I can barely keep up with what's going on in our own. Yeah. It's like, it's, it'd it's be hard cool if there like was a hundred
1: discords. I mean, if, if you have nitro, <laughs> you can get over a hundred discords. Um, but yeah, I think that would be really amazing. I think that, Especially like you know with with projects like um, Deerpack and Cozy, I think we get along so well that it would it would be a very easy fit, you know. Um, Agreed. I agree. It's sort of just aligning those, I guess, aligning the the opinions of everyone. Because I don't think it would be a terrible idea. I think it, uh, if it's done right, obviously, like not everyone can like the biggest thing with it, with joining a Discord or sharing a community. Is that you don't want to, like, a lot of these companies are, are building as, as, I mean, projects are building as companies, right? And so you don't want to employ empl- uh, imply partnership just by being mm-hmm. in the same Discord. Not right. that you don't like the other company, but the, it, that comes with other legal consequences, things along those lines. So it's just got to be very clear, I think, when you're jumping into something like that, what the, what the relationship is like between the projects.
0: Yeah, you know, a great pilot would be, like, finding two communities that have very similar personalities, right? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think of, like, Cozy's community and deer packs are probably very similar in terms of, like, the vibe. Yeah. The, you know, w- there's never talk about floor price in the deer pack. But yeah. If anything, like, I've been watching the amount of holders. We've been consistent at, like, 300-plus holders without many people selling or listing. So I think, like, all of our people are just like, I like the art. And let's just see what the team does, right? And I'm not mm-hmm. really worried about flipping because, quite honestly, our project isn't big enough where there's gonna be bag holders because it, it would take a lot for them to acquire enough where they feel like they've made a regrettable amount of investments into our project. Um, you know, conversely, like uh, there are some projects where someone might have overinvested by of 30 40 50 100 nfts in that project and they are in tune and keenly aware of the floor price and always wanting to bring it up so you know i think like if we were to take our deer pack and then take anonymous project of some other groups where they always talk about floor price yeah that'd be a bad fit right yeah you know that's the type Mm -hmm. of thing where you'd want to be mindful of it but i could see a world in the next three to six months where a couple teams that think they have similar discord vibes kind of come together and then over time you start to recruit more into it right mm-hmm. it's like a little secret society of like hey we like what you guys are doing love to kind of just join forces create a more robust community it's so like yeah. you think of every discord community there's probably like 15 to 20 power users in every discord community exactly right? yeah and if you get to like five to ten communities together then you're at like 100 to 200 people that are power users of that community and so yeah, it'd be very and cool. And then, I, yeah, everyone would potentially benefit down the road. Obviously, it's like, who knows how it would actually play out. But I, I'd love to explore that idea more as uh, as as both brands kind of continue to grow. It sounds super yeah,
1: interesting. The first example I saw of it, and actually, it might be the only example I know of it, of where projects sort of combined discords was um, Vinny Hager, his letters project, and Dose, Crypto Ray Rays um they're in the same discord and it works really well um i think that like there's probably a limit to how many projects you want in in a certain discord because like notifications and things like that might get a little crazy but there's also ways to separate it you know by picking roles you only get notifications based on what you're holding um yeah so there's ways to go about it but i think that that's something that could could be like potentially like a a huge benefit for us all in the future
0: and it could even be as simple as like this community is where we discuss spaces that we're hosting or game nights or movie nights it's more like you know giving a one-stop shop for people to say like hey something's coming up let's put it in front of six or seven communities all at once instead of just our own individual one yeah so you know there's little ways to kind of try it out but i think you're right though like this isn't sustainable there's no way that you can continue to be in
1: yeah, because every time you of join new movies. yeah, get a new NFT, you join a new Discord. Like yeah. that, that, just I mean, it's an attention economy, <laughs> and you're dividing. Yeah. You're just dividing up your attention more and more and more and more until you don't have any attention for each project. So,
0: and then you know, it's one of those things. Where it's death by a thousand cuts, right? So, yeah. what might have been the difference of surviving if you had a more meaningful way of not cannibalizing one another? These <laughs> yeah. both both projects dying or whatever the case. may yeah. be. So, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Obviously, like. Uh, something that more people should consider as as we move forward into this the new world of NFTs, um, Scotty. I'd love to ne- learn more about where you were before you found NFTs.
1: Um, hmm. well, how far how far before I learned about NFTs? <laughs> uh, you know, whatever you think is uh, uh
0: exciting or interesting or irrelevant. Uh, you know, I know. I, I mean, obviously from your Instagram, I can tell like one of your other big passions and, and areas of focus, but, uh, like, how did you get into art and photography in the first place?
1: Hmm. Okay. So I've been, I've been drawing ever since I was a kid. That was like my favorite thing to do. I would come home, throw out some colored pencils and stuff on the, on the table and just start drawing. Uh, usually with my favorite cartoon in front of me, Dragon Ball Z or something along those lines, but that, you know, from an early age, I was always creating, I was always drawing. Um, which is, is kind of crazy. Cause like, I mean, I was such an artist back then, but in my brain, I didn't, I didn't consider it a viable career path. I think most people look at artists, especially most parents that would look at you and be like, no, that's not, you're not going to make it as an artist. And then sort of as a kid, you're like, yeah, that's, I'm not even going to consider that because that's one, maybe it's like, not that it's too hard, but it's not even considerable. Like artists don't make money. <laughs> and so it's funny like the the my highest grade actually in high school was in art art class I, like it was the only class I ever got an A plus which is kind of funny looking back but I went into science anyways because I was like this makes money Da 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 da. I'm gonna do science and I, I did enjoy science but it wasn't my people like the the people the nature of the subject very was very dry um, as I'm sure you know um, and so like I think I realized quickly that that wasn't me that wasn't I didn't I didn't vibe with that group even though it was something that I like studied it wasn't me so uh my mom had bought me a camera when I was in college at some point and I was like this is cool so I started taking photos I remember there was actually one photo of my brother we were in Vegas and he's sitting next to a light and I, I turned the flash off and I took a picture with this like direct light and I was like oh god this is incredible because like you know as as a young photographer you're realizing you know that you're not just taking pictures you're studying light and how it affects things around you and so when i saw this you know the light casting shadow on my brother's face that like it's rembrandt Rembrandt lighting um if you're not familiar with Rembrandt lighting it's like a sort of lighting to the front and side of someone so it creates a small triangle shadow or patch of light on their cheek anyways i was like oh my god this is incredible so from then on i was like obsessed with photography Um, I started watching videos and like tutorials, even before I had a DSLR, I was like, this is so cool. Um, uh, This leads me into the next like uh, very awkward phase of my life, probably the most awkward phase of my life that ever existed, (laughs) where I tried modeling. So I I actually was like, uh, I played high school, uh, football in high school, and I was like generally very fit. Um, And me and my friend were like always working out and stuff. But at the time, I like I didn't, I was interested in photography, I didn't have a camera, but I was like, eh, I could try modeling. So tried modeling very awkward year of my life. Uh, but I did learn a lot of things. I met, uh, met a photographer actually who I became really good friends with. And I was like, Hey, if I bought a, if I bought a camera, would you teach me how to shoot? And he's like, yeah, sure. Like I'll teach you. You can come along with me and stuff. And I was like, all right, sick. So jumped in with him on a photo shoot one day. Uh, it was like a Ford model. I'm not sure if you're, sure if you're familiar with like the agency models, but Ford is one of the top tier ones. And I was like, so nervous was shaking my boots i was like all right i'll go shoot with them so we're shooting and then he's anthony the name of the photographer he's like you're up and i was like okay so nervous take some photos i'm like coaching him through some shots how i'd seen him doing before and we take photos and it was was great i had a a good time but i was really nervous um and we go back and we're looking over photos and he's he's like looking at him he goes wow i think you actually have a really like good eye for photography maybe something you should pursue and i was like oh okay. All right, cool. I think, I think I'll do that. <laughs> and so I gave up on modeling. I was like, that's not me. Like I learned a lot from it, but that's not me. Push forward and, uh, started doing photography and, and taking on jobs, you know, the senior portraits and random stuff from there, you know, to make whatever money. Uh, and then there was one job I landed. It was actually with Trans World Skate Magazine. Um, or it was for their awards. Um, I was shooting like a uh, BAM bunch of the guys from. Uh, Uh, jackass and stuff, bunch of like snowboarders and things at these, the Transworld Skate Awards. And the guy that hired me was like for a clothing clothing brand. I was like, sick, nice. I'm going to get paid. This is gonna be my first professional work. Right. And so I shoot these photos. They came out really well. I spent a lot of time editing them. I gave them to him and he, uh, and I was like, Oh cool. So when do I get paid? He's like paid. He's like, you aren't a professional photographer. You didn't go to school. And I was like, what? Bruh (laughs) Like, man, that made me so bad. That made me, I was enraged. And that, that actually, I took that anger and I was like, you know what? Oh, I didn't go to school for photography. I, I'm going to go for, to school for photography. I'm going to learn everything I need. And then, I, you know, I'm going to get paid. <laughs> and so I did that. I dropped out of uh, school. I was going to school for marketing. I transferred from biochem to marketing, uh, learned a lot about marketing. I actually really enjoyed marketing, but I want to do photography. So I was like, mom, called my mom up. I was like, mom, I know you've been supporting me through college. Uh, I know you're probably not going to pay for art school, but I just want to let you know that I'm going to do this. And she's like, "You know what? I support you. Not going to pay for art school, but go ahead and do it." I was like, "Great!" So left left school, enrolled in art school at the Academy of Art in San Francisco. Soaked up all the knowledge I could. Like I was like a straight A student the first two years. Like there's there's one class, uh, history of film. No one gets A's in that class. I literally would go up. This is my this is my thing in art school. I was I was there to learn cuz I'd gone through enough college. I was like I did my play college, you know. Had my fun. I went there I was like a sponge. I like literally my goal was to not make friends and learn as much as I could. I'd like it ignored people. Like they wanted to be friend, friends with me. I was like, "No, nah, I'm trying to learn." So I would like go I would literally walk to the front of the class. Go to the center sit in the very front, well, actually, before I sat in the very front center, I would go up to the presser, and I would shake their hand and be like, I'm Scott Barrera, I'm going to be the best student you ever had, and then go sit down. And that was, that was like my routine at the, the start of every single uh, class. And I I lived up to that. I was like an incredible student. I was just like, I wanted to be there for photography. And I think that was like probably the biggest like difference in what helped propel my career probably is that I knew what I was there for. I I had messed around in college long enough, I had figured out who I was and what I wanted to do. And I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. So I, I led that charge. I finished, I actually never graduated. So I'm technically a double dropout. Uh, You know, uh, (laughs) Kanye West has got nothing on me. He's only single dropout. Uh, So I did it twice um, and sort of, It's funny, I landed, so the reason why I did drop out was I landed a job with my dream company. Um, I was, I came on at the starting, like with this startup as like head of photography. I did everything from, you know, the catalog to uh, e-commerce to like product shots, beauty shots, everything, you name it. I ran everything in the photography like department, which is like, that was my dream. Um, And I did make like a ton of money, but it was like everything I wanted to do and learn like as like a, a budding, like professional photographer. And then... A couple months down the line actually no, it was probably like a year probably a year of posting on instagram and stuff um nike hit me up and they're like hey do you want to shoot <laughs> and so i shot for them for like a year and a half two years uh after i left uh that that other business so it was kind of a it was a wild journey got into photography and then like from then on it was just kind of knowing my worth picking clients that i wanted to work with uh and traveling nonstop. i think like getting to there well the getting of the traveling part was hard because at first, like it's really hard to convince yourself that you can travel. I think a lot of people just sit around. They're like, man, I wish I could go to this place. I wish I could go to that place. And you can wish a lot of things, but it just won't happen unless you pull the trigger. Um, and I, I learned really like really early on that if I want to go on a road trip, if I want to get out of the, you know, out of where I'm going, just jump in the car and drive. And so like, that was like the biggest thing. And I went on this road trip with my buddies. I remember we went up to Washington and Oregon and I was like, this is amazing. You mean I could literally just go drive somewhere and have, like, the most epic adventures with my friends and sleep in the car and just be, like, you know, bums, but have, like, the best time. Like, we spent, like, nothing on these trips, you know, just on gas. We'd sleep in the car, go out and take photos. It was just, like, total, like, degen. Like, we were degening. We were photo degens, you know, back then. Um, but that, like, led into, you know, okay, I'm comfortable traveling. I'm You know, I can travel for companies and, and things like that. And, you know, eventually I was flying around the world for different companies. So. I
0: love it. I love every – there's so much in there that you said that I, w- I wanted to interrupt you like <laughs> Sorry, times. there's
1: so much. No, I, no, no. No.
0: no, but like I think people should rewind and re-listen to that journey uh, three or four times, especially if you're someone that isn't really excited about where you are in life uh, or not sure about what you're doing. Um, I'm in my mid-30s, and similar to you, like I didn't have my epiphany on what I wanted where I wanted to go until – after college, right? And so yeah. when you talked about like uh, not being a, the best student until you got to, you know, art school, I feel very similar to that. You know, I like, Oh, hope my parents don't ever listen to this, but I probably, <laughs> I probably skipped 60 to 70% of my undergrad classes. Like, yeah. They just, they weren't the right motivation for me. And as you know, as a, as you being a STEM major in, in, in college, you can't really skip that many classes and do well. No, I still did. Yeah. I did well enough. Uh, I just wasn't motivated properly for it, right? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, in my mid twenties I went back to grad school and similar to you, I got a pluses across the board. Yeah. I I showed up to class, I wanted to learn, I was ready to learn. You know, the the use case of education and whatnot is a whole different topic that I have a lot of um thoughts on in terms of course. Of yeah. Being eighteen probably isn't the right time for anyone to go to uh, to go to university. No, it's like, a terrible like, time. In my opinion, from 18 to 26, you should work. You should make money. You yeah. should live. You should travel. You should experience new cultures, new foods, new life experiences across the board. 26, you should then go back and get a uh, you know, a more focused degree in something that you want to do. And then by the time you're 30, you're ready to become an adult, right? Yeah. Like, that would be like the more ideal scenario, but that's not what society has deemed the proper right. path. Regardless, like... If I went to undergrad in my mid-20s, I probably would have been a straight A student because I would have known what I wanted in life and I would have been ready to learn. Yeah. You know, I always say that there's no bad students, they're just bad topics, right? So and the issue is that most people don't know what topics that they're passionate about yet. And yeah, so it takes a
1: lot long, long time to figure
0: it out. Yeah, and I think like what you talk about is something that probably millions of people are experiencing, but don't even have a way to articulate it. So I think I think you did a great job of kind of like I'm sure there's gonna be people that listen to this and go, holy shit, that's me or was me, or is me right now, or will be me two weeks from now, right? So, you know, I, I love it. I love every part of that. Um, yeah. And, you know, to your point about, like, science and art, you know, I, the I've, I've been creeping through your pictures because they're all beautiful. I, I love your nature ones the best because, it, to me, nature is the purest form of art, right? And so, yeah. like, those pictures, it's like the perfect intersection of beauty and art and natural. And And then you take your as you put it like your artistic eye and figure out a way to capture that moment in time and, uh, a storyteller, right? I think all artists are storyteller and photography is one of the best ways to tell stories because in a still image, you can learn so much or experience so many things or come to like a million different conclusions based on one frame.
1: Yeah. I think today in today's age, I think we take photos probably a bit for granted because we all have this amazing camera in our pocket now. Um, Everyone can be a photographer, and it's funny because like throughout my whole career coming up the iPhone was always there um there like even you know when i was when I was just starting i, I like the iPhone was always a competitive camera, like oh, well, why would I need you if I have this camera right and <clears throat> there is you know there is some merit to that I think that you know these days you can get away with a lot um just having a ton of people and a smartphone you can capture a lot of content right but The artistry of photography of um metering light and things like that like understanding light i think like is the biggest thing a lot of people you know they think about the camera and actually taking the photograph but understanding light and how it affects the things around us and what we're seeing um is actually like the true art of photography is really like you know knowing um what the differences between you know hard and soft light um light temperatures um Color, like color theory, all of that, like light is a weird thing because things aren't actually that color, you know, to even like call something a certain color. You're not actually seeing that color. You're seeing the re- the reflection of light off of that image, I guess is the refraction, reflection, one of those. Um, so I think it's just a very interesting topic regardless of, you know, take the, the camera out of it. I think light in itself is such a, a very unique and fun thing to study. Um, but yeah, I think that like to... Like to your point, like about photograph, like when I shoot nature, um, everyone can take a photo of like a tree or whatever. But when I think about a photograph, I like to think about two things really like, where am I leading the audience's eye? Where do I want them to see? What do I want them to see that I see? Um, and then, two, like, what do I want them to feel that I feel? And those are like two of the, the biggest things that I think of when I'm capturing a photo.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when I look at your photos, I think of like minimalism and, and like, that's i see a lot of like um it's clean there's like one focus area of just pure. it's like simple beauty is what i get out of a lot of your photos you know it's, it's not a lot of like noise that i have to fight through i know exactly where i should go and what i should be looking at when i look at your pictures it's very cool Thank you. um yeah absolutely i'm the i'm the guy in my friend group when we go on trips i'm the one that's like uh two or three blocks behind everybody because <laughs> you're taking just taking photos? <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of it, too, is, like, I'm trying to take pictures of them in more uh-huh. of a candid. Like I, like, I like grabbing, you know, if we're walking somewhere, like, let's say, like, you know, me and my buddies go to New York City or whatever. I'm the guy that's a block behind taking pictures of them as they're walking through the city, right? Yeah. Uh, and things like that. Just because, like, I'm trying to capture the moment. And they always give me shit in the moment. They're like, oh, you're always taking too many pictures. But then, like, a week later, like, hey, can I get that picture you took me or whatever? <laughs> yep. I've always, I've always joked. I said, you know, if, if nothing else, a girl should date me because I take the best candid photos like from, a, from an iPhone. Yeah. yeah. You know? That so, great. I, you know, and I love it. Right. Cause like I look back at my phone and I don't have like fancy equipment though. The, the fanciest equipment I have is my video that I use for, for podcasting mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, and YouTube videos is just a Sony ZV one. But you know, the most important tool is the one that you use the most. Yep. And so my camera in my pocket, my phone, it's it's a wonderful thing because it gets me probably like good enough photos, right? It's never professional quality or whatnot, but it's easily accessible and I can just get to work with it. I mean, it. Yeah, the iPhone
1: fun. these days is incredible. I'm actually still using an iPhone 8 and I'll post photos and people are like, this is on an iPhone. Like there's – you can squeeze a lot. So, The biggest thing back then, it was crazy because like – the thing I geeked out the most on as an early photographer was like dynamic range uh like getting as much dynamic range and if if you're not familiar what dynamic range is essentially just means like the 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 values between zero and two hundred fifty six or is it one and two hundred and fifty six it's it's one of those essentially the the gray point so from from one hundred percent white to one hundred percent black right. And so like i wanted to squeeze as much range as much of that range as i could into one photograph and you know whether i was doing that in multiple exposures um whether whether i was doing that um by doing a long exposure or something like that was all all like always something that was like crazy to me early on was like how much dynamic range you get out of, out of a photo and the iphones today their hdr mode if you use it correctly it's wild. You can get like you can get more more data, a better photograph out of your iPhone today than you could DSLR's probably like only like 5 to 8 years ago. Like Probably <laughs> probably sooner is... than that actually.
0: My favorite thing to do is use my iPhone and and get like uh, photos of other people's dogs in the <laughs> in the port in portrait mode or using HDR. And yeah,
1: take like I've a got this collection of like of
0: dogs of, of strangers' dogs, and I'm just like, oh, I don't um, know. Like, it's just like this weird thing yeah. that I just started doing. It's like, I'll be at a brewery and there will be a puppy there, and then like sometimes I'll ask. Sometimes the dog's up in my business, so I'm just like, I'm gonna take a picture of you, right? But you know, it's it's fun though because like. I don't know. Like I just like taking pictures of just everyday life uh, and just kind of seeing. Sometimes they're phenomenal. Sometimes they're garbage. But, you know. Hey, same. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, um, did, did crypto come first or did NFTs come first for you?
1: Uh, crypto came first, actually. Shout out to my buddy, Jose Silva, or JN, as a lot of people know him. Um, he got a bunch of us in, uh, we were photographer buddies from day one. Like we, we followed each other. Like when we had a hundred followers on Instagram, went, went through the whole grind, the whole photo life together. Um, but it, about in 2017, he started getting into crypto and he wrangled us all in. It was, it was actually pretty incredible what, what we were doing back then, where there's probably like 10 of us, maybe a little bit more and they would, the group would like kind of slowly grow, but we kept it pretty small, uh, where my buddy Hosh basically recruited us all. He's like this crypto, it's going to be the future. This is everything. We should all put a lot of time into this and learn it and stuff. And at that time it was still very much over my head, but we had this this group like um sort of where everyone was in, in charge of certain things. Those those were the during the ICO days. and so we had we had a solid group of like 10 people and so someone was in charge of finding new projects someone was then in charge of finding out what about that project were they adapt were they a currency were they something like that then someone else was in charge of uh finding out token supply the the cap like certain things like that so we would build out these excel spreadsheets of all these icos their potential upside all the detail all the data when they were minting um things like that like it was crazy um and and a lot of us made decent money. I didn't. I, I was a terrible trader. I ended up like essentially breaking even, even after the the. Um, hey, breaking even's
0: fine because you learn from it, right? Yeah, so yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll take yeah. it, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, you guys are running
0: your own little hedge fund. <laughs> yeah, we
1: were essentially uh, um, Silva's wife, Giselle. She's a brainiac. She was incredible. She like put the spreadsheets together. She did all the like the the math crunching behind everything, and so like we had this crazy operation. Um, and that set them up um honestly, like to come into two thousand twenty one two thousand and twenty and just destroy and if he's like man they they did it right like I, I'm kicking myself for not sort of staying in it through the bear, um you know, everyone knows the bear of two thousand and eighteen right um, now is another
0: chance right now, yeah, we're
1: in it, and that's you, you know, know honestly a lot of like that's like the biggest thing right now for me is like sticking through it, being consistent, showing up um and and just being here through the bear because there's a lot to learn. And I think there's going to be a lot of potential um, if you just stick around where, you know, I missed out for those two years and that, you know, that could have been life-changing. So I'm going to not miss out on the possibility of it happening again.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've learned a lot of lessons in my time in the traditional markets and now crypto. And honestly, like I'd be a fool to put a specific date on when it's going to happen, but in my lifetime, in our lifetime, Bitcoin 100K, ETH 10K seems seems uh, like a predetermined destination, just a matter of when and not if. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's like one of those things where the technology is too strong and revolutionary for it to be held down forever. So I think it, that the coming.
1: biggest thing like that I realized, though, um, after now, you know, our generation it's kind of funny i feel like our, our generation started out slow It's like well this is pretty boring like you know our parents had the 70s you know the, the 20s were crazy the 50s were crazy and i was like wow our generation is pretty boring and then like i mean in high school was we had september 11th which happened we've had the pandemic we've had uh like oh, there was a there was a bunch of other like, stuff are you in your 30s yeah, mid thirties. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I like, we're
0: very similar in age then.
1: <laughs> like one thing I've realized is that you know nothing's guaranteed though. As much as like you know we think ETH 10K, Bitcoin 100K, that all depends on the economy and what happens you know in the macro scale of things. So as much as I you know I'm I I think that great if, if things continue the way they are, yeah, sure. But if we have another pandemic type situation or something where it halts the you know economy sends us like you know into a downward spiral, essentially, it's like I don't know when, when is that yeah. going to happen? So, yeah, and not, not that you I'm know, like doomsday or anything. I do be, believe the best. I believe, I hope that we get there, but like, it's, it's kind of wild to think how much um, this pandemic has shaken everything up. Yeah, for
0: sure. You know, nothing's, nothing's ever a hundred percent guaranteed. Yeah. I just look at what, uh, you know, where else can, where else can people our age put our money and, and keep it safe? You know, there's, like especially if, as as like you said like traveling and whatnot and and experiencing the world, um, having traditional assets like gold and silver or, or real estate, if you wanted to up and leave tomorrow, like I just see like the younger generations, you know, people that are forty and younger being like, I want to have my my net worth in a in a digital package that's easy for me to take from point A to point B where I don't need to carry loads of cash or, or precious metals and whatnot. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm excited to be here now. Kinda like you said, like it's still super early. Uh the community's still pretty small and it's exciting to think that we're you know, in the space, similar mm-hmm. to like in the nineties when the internet was just getting started for, for older generations. Right. So, yeah. um, it's, it's for us to make the best of it. Right. So, yeah. uh, I'm super excited about that. And, you know, I think some of the stuff that we're doing in the NFT space, who knows what stays in the long run and what's just kind of flash in the pan, but it's kind of fun to at least give it a go and, and give it our best shot. Um, Hey, I know we're coming up on time here. So what I wanted to do is, uh, let you shout out anything you want to shout out social media cozy whatever it is top of mind feel free man
1: uh sure i mean i'll I'll shout out team at cozy uh cozy penguins cozy verse um just for anyone who's listening or watching uh we're building on-chain games fully on-chain games uh, mini games that you can play with your cozy penguins or your favorite nft we've integrated 10 plus projects you know cool Cool cats, uh, pudgy penguins, happy seals, star catchers—you name it. We've got a bunch of different uh, integrations. Deer pack, of course, um, and <clears throat> you can come and play with uh, mini games with us. We have fishing game and land ca- land coming up. We have slingshot sailors uh, currently on mainnet. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Honestly, I, th- I think the biggest thing that's like that I'm really excited about cozy is that, uh, like we mentioned earlier, is like we're we're always building and we're sort of like the underdog. Uh, of the space and i love that we kind of have to fight for for our place um but i think that we're constantly proving ourselves and you know with the help of the community because we want to make everything fun i think we're fun forward like that's the the most important thing so getting people in playing our games experiencing it and getting feedback is super important for us right now so if you want to come and play with us hop in the discord we're always there or cozyverse.xyz Boom! I love it. Plug.
0: I love it. And then you want to shout out your Twitter slash Instagram handle. I know it's the same thing.
1: Yeah, sure. It's it's just my name. It's my full name, Scott Barrero. Uh, I'm very doxed, <laughs> very public because of my uh, photography side of things. So, yeah, Scott Barrero. Yeah. Or, I go by Scotty B on socials now. That's like my my Web three persona is Scotty B. I've always like it's funny because like my my first uh, I'm sure you had aim, uh, it will instant I messenger. Did. Yeah. I did. So yeah. my first one was Scotty B two eight two. So I sort of go went back to my roots with for web 3 just Scotty B minus the two eight two. I love it.
0: Look for the look for the clean, golden, cozy penguin, and yeah. uh, you found the right
1: Scotty B. That's big. Also, uh, wait one more shout out. I got to shout out yeah, yeah. dear pack. <laughs> you guys have been awesome, honestly. Like ever since been, uh, you know, just a really fun like organic community. I think like any like you said, no floor talk. It's just a lot of good fun and vibes. So whenever I pop in there, you know, I really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, you know we've uh, we've had nothing but good experiences with uh, cozy penguins, cause you know you know Buzzbee or, or you know Emma from from mm-hmm. the team as well. Oh yeah. uh, And I think just in general, Tim pops in here and there, and I think Zoey's got some uh, fawns in his wallet as well. So we've 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 seen nothing but love from your side, and we you know we we love uh, supporting you all too. I've got three cozy penguins myself. <laughs> Let's uh, go. <laughs> and uh, you know I always joke that if it comes in my wallet, it's never leaving. So unfortunately, there's just, just, you know, buy high, out in the abyss. sell never. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Too true, painfully true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. And then one last question, you know, I like to always just kind of see, uh, leave it on more of like a spiritual question of like, sure. what do you think the world needs more of to become a better place?
1: Uh, what does the world need more of? Hmm. I think the world needs more... Open-mindedness. I think people need to experience things. I think a lot of people, and maybe this is American, but people are just so caught up in their ways and stuck. I think a lot of people are just like, like I mentioned earlier, like, you know, a lot of people want to travel, but they're not willing to travel. Um, I think that there's so many things that people want to do in life, but for some reason they can't just jump over the, uh, the mental hurdle. And, you know, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard, but I think that I would just love to see people more like sort of accepting of like, Different cultures, different ideas, different beliefs, uh, crypto, you know, just to see the, the world sort of move forward. I think th- I think this generation, uh, you know, going forward is has, has a lot of potential. I think that, you know, I see a lot of hope in future generations. So I'm very excited for that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Uh, you know, when I was unhappy in my corporate life after college, uh, at a certain point, I just kind of looked in the mirror and said, uh, I need to step out of my comfort zone. So yeah. six or seven years ago, I basically told myself I need to become comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, and, you know, at, at, it was a similar time where I started to cut people out of my life that uh, wouldn't help themselves. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is like, they would like to complain and make, make excuses and whatnot. And I just said, you know, I don't want to be surrounded by people like that anymore. I want to be surrounded by people that want to do things, build things, challenge things, you know, try new things, whatever the case is, like... Less people that were glass is half empty or glass is broken. Mm-hmm. But more people that were glasses half full for sure, and and wanting to fill it up even more. So I think you, I think you're right. You know, people need to go out and experience new things, be challenged, be uncomfortable, and and learn from those experiences, and and be more welcoming and 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 um, and uh, you know, patient with with everyone else. So definitely, um, you'll,
1: you'll see so much growth um, when you throw yourself into uncomfortable or unfamiliar situations. Um, you know, it's not easy. And I think that that part of it is what makes you a better and stronger person coming out of it on the end.
0: Do you have any, uh, uh, NFT projects out there that people can mint or look at or
1: anything like that of your own personal stuff? <laughs> I have one photograph that's out there, but it, it's priced one high. Photo? Yeah, one photo. It's it's my Genesis photo. Photo. Uh, it's priced high because is it the one
0: with the three birds, the, Yeah. or the the birds. I yeah. love. That's clean. Yeah. That is very clean. Yeah, I I, that
1: was the first one I minted back in. I think it was like May. So it's like it's still like or June. It's it's JPEG summer of twenty one. You know, um. So it still has that provenance, which I think eventually it'll sell. Um. But I'm not focused on selling my photo, my photos right now. I just minted uh-huh. it, sort of, to be like, uh, and I think I even I even wrote about it on the uh, somewhere, but it's essentially like it was my my way of saying I'm here, I'm on the blockchain, I have provenance. Scott Barrero exists on the chain you know, in web yeah. three or on chain. It's one of those three.
0: where you're okay, but never sells. Cause like,
1: right. It, it's more about history. It was more about but history. If it does sell, it's cool too. Yeah. Yeah. If sure. it sells cool. Um, I think eventually I'll, I'll release like a larger collection of like a hundred plus photos. Yeah. Um, and maybe then it'll carry some sort of weight, but I, I'm not worried about it. I think it's like, like I said, it's just more, more of a piece to say I'm here. You know. You know what I mark. see
0: happening? What I see happening is you eventually do one of those smaller projects sells out because it's at a price point for the masses and then and then that first one ends up getting sold because you you know that that momentum thing is no joke right in the space so
1: yeah possibly uh, i mean hope, hopefully yeah. someday it's a grail so yeah, yeah. grail. i love it
0: i love it i love it well hey scotty i, th- I think uh, i can speak for everyone that's going to listen to this that this was a very fun uh interview and hope you enjoyed it yourself and uh if you got one person in mind in the world that we should shout out to try to harass to come on here who would it be
1: Ooh, hmm. If
0: you could get, well, I mean, it's it's like doesn't he have to be a Web three person. It could be anybody you think is just like.
1: I like, think. I mean, would obviously, well. I, like I think that my buddy Silva is like the best to interview ever. Like he's always on Twitter Spaces and stuff. So if you get some of his time, amazing. But he's like just so mu- he has so much wisdom and knowledge around this space. Like talking to him, like I'm very fortunate to call him a friend and be able to like you know speak with him about life and and everything in general but he just has so much knowledge on like literally every subject i feel like you can't ask him something and he won't like have some sort of opinion or have studied it at some point in his life he's like just a a giant brain giga brain dude all right all right cool cool yeah
0: well, you know, we'll we'll shake him down. I'm I'm sure he's busy, and that's kind of the game here. It's like yeah. finding someone who has an hour of time to to jump on and talk about nonsense. You know, we don't have any agendas here. We don't have any. Uh, uh, you know, it's just a, getting to learn the people, learn more about the people themselves. And I think people are going to have a much better understanding of who you are and what makes you tick. And uh, you know, true to brand, it w- it didn't disappoint. So appreciate your time, <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll have to come across each other more in the metaverse. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Take care. us